the biggest change I've noticed about myself at this age is that I'm more guarded in expressing my opinions than I probably ever have been. I feel that I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not, it wasn't a a conscious process until you just called it out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jim Hessler, and this is Path Forward, Real Conversations About Leadership. In every episode, we're having real conversations with real people about real issues, about the journey, about the challenges, about the joys. One thing leaders believe is that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the challenges, no matter how confusing or difficult things are, there's always a path forward. Leadership is a very creative process if you're doing it well. For the past 21 years, we've been teaching leadership primarily through the process of great conversations. My guest today is Jody. Jody's a nurse practitioner in the pharmaceutical industry. She moved from a clinical setting to big pharma eight years ago. And for the last five years, uh, she's been in a leadership role where she's now managing direct reports. We're going to talk about coming to leadership later in life, uh, finding your way in a volatile industry, and some of the subtle ways that ageism shows up in the workplace. Jody, thanks for being on Path Forward. My pleasure. Moving from a hospital setting to working in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, that's probably a big shift. It is. So I think that, you know, part of what led me in that direction was I, you know, got my master's. I became a nurse practitioner. I was sort of an independent practitioner, but working with a team. Mm -hmm. And then I went back and got my doctorate. And every time I went back to school... It rounded out that education of clinical systems, clinical effectiveness. More of a systemic yes. point of view, right? Yes, and yeah. so mm-hmm. I, I sort of wanted my role to evolve as I evolved, you know, educationally. And that, that wasn't happening as long as I stayed in the, in the hospital system. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had been a speaker for pharmaceutical companies over the years and always enjoyed it. And it mm-hmm. was an opportunity to get in front of young nurses and educate. And I, I didn't have that as a young nurse. I didn't have those resources. So I really loved it. Yeah. And so the pull— So you wanted to expand your circle of influence. Exactly. You wanted to, to have a bigger impact. Yeah. How's that worked out? Uh, I think that it was, a, it was a happy move. I can tell you the quality of my life has, has improved about yeah. a thousand percent. Not working the, the late shifts and, and things like that. There huh? are yeah. no emergencies, right? right? There yeah. is never an emergency. And I didn't even know how much that stress was affecting me. Yeah. Until it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what we can get used to, isn't it? Yes. And, and and we don't even know that we're used to it until we step out of it exactly. and compare it with something different. So now here you are. You have some questions about the future. So tell me how you're framing those questions. What are the questions you're asking yourself? So just how volatile this sort of workforce is in, in pharma. You know, people change and move all the time. And even... Less than a year. Like when I was a brand new nurse, they're like, don't don't quit your first job until you've been there at least a year mm-hmm. because it starts to look like you jump around. Mm-hmm. And I still see applicants with resumes that reflect that activity. And I come from a place where I thought loyalty was a value that everybody held, in, including your employer. Mm-hmm. And I've just learned over the years that that's not true. And so it doesn't matter how 
hard you work or how smart you work necessarily. It's not enough. And it's like, so how do I maintain this until I'm ready to leave? And how do I make myself visible in a company that's large and when there's constant change? So just to give you the most recent example Mm -hmm. is that I led a team that was disbanded a year ago, December, because they decided that the education that we were providing customers, nurses, physicians, pharmacists, was no longer needed because the drug had been out for about four years. Mm. I disagreed with that decision, but it wasn't mine, right, to make. And then it happened again, like a year later. So after that team was disbanded, I moved into the role I'm in now. And then the last nurse educator team was also reorganized out at the end of this last year. So two years in a row, it felt like deja vu. So I had survivor's guilt Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, right? And then feeling kind of uneasy about what does this mean for my future, right? Like the end of my career and... So um, this podcast is about conversations. And so one of the questions I always like to ask when somebody, when somebody raises an issue like this, what is the quality of the conversation going on in your business right now about the issues you just talked about? Is it just, is it a top-down thing and we just do what we're told? Are you part of a a meaningful dialogue about these things and about the best way to move forward? I think it it really is. There's a lot of top-down conversations and it's like you are the end result of whatever has been decided without you in the room. Yeah. So you, you don't really feel like people like you are necessarily being consulted and and ask for your opinion on these issues. It's no. just, yeah. yeah. And that's got to be frustrating. It is. Yeah. I get that. That's extraordinarily frustrating. And I think it's, for me, whatever frustrations I feel about those sorts of situations seems to get worse for me as I get older. It's funny because I, I think there's a little bit of that because um, I have a boss that's like 15 years younger than mm-hmm. I am, not mm-hmm. a nurse. Mm-hmm. and. Um, it's like, does she know to ask me, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not shy uh, for volunteering my opinion or my two cents. And there are other people at my level that are also nurses. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps. But it's like, that's where it stops. Like, there's no nurses in the upper leadership positions. Yeah. And so I think that their decision-making reflects a business background versus versus a nursing background. And I, and I don't, I only say that, it's different because I only know my perspective, right? So I think that it would be, you know, if it was more collaborative, some of the decision-making, it would feel better. Mm-hmm. So, Jody, do you uh, do you ever feel like you're being dismissed or, or uh, marginalized because you're, you mentioned your boss is 15 years <laughs> younger than you? Does that get in the way, do you think? I think— um, the good news is I love my boss, okay. um, so that's good news. We get along really well. But I I think I am probably the oldest person on my team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the leadership team. So it's like, yeah, I think about it. That's one of the reasons, you know, I want to see how I, – I would love to end my career at this company mm-hmm. and just, you know, again, not just the loyalty issue, but one and done and, like, not moving around again. Right. But I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing that if the right, right opportunity came along. Yeah. But um, – I do worry about, you know, I had a coworker that was part of that nurse team that got let go. And I think she's in her late 60s. 
And she said that she needed to continue to work. And she was so concerned that nobody was going to hire her Mm -hmm. unless they knew her because of her age. Yep. Um, fortunately, she did get picked up by another company, and she's doing exactly what she wants to do. So I'm very happy for her. But her anxiety around that issue was real. And I, I think a lot of people feel it. We don't really talk about it very much, um, not amongst each other. Uh, again, I'm, I'm older than anybody on my team, too, but I think about it. Yeah, it's a tough one because we don't want to see ourselves as victims, and we don't want to presume that people are behaving the way they are towards us because of our age. But we also you know, can't be blind to the possibility that that, that does happen. And I think in this, this highly technological world we live in, I think it accelerates that that. It adds to that anxiety. Absolutely. Um, It's hard to put experience on your resume. (laughs) I mean, you can can talk about how many years you've done something. Yeah. But how do you quantify that? If you you work in a technological job or even something in the medical field, you can pretty much quantify your knowledge, right? This is, I know how to do this and this and this and this. From a leadership perspective, there's a lot of nuance to leading people, and there's a lot of maturity and a lot of kind of wisdom that has to show up for it to be done well. And how do you? It, it's hard for people who don't have that elderly wisdom to understand the value of it. So I, I you know, for for those of us of, of a certain age that want to continue to be relevant and add value, um, it can be it can be tricky. The biggest change I've noticed about myself at this age is that I'm. I'm more guarded in expressing my opinions than I probably ever have been. And I think some of that is because just society's changed a lot around mm-hmm. me during my things were so different when I started working 47 years ago. But part of it is because there's just there's just so much sensitivity out there about things now that it, it, it didn't it, exist it, before. It, it didn't exist. Yeah. So, so and and, so, and and it's appropriate that I address that sensitivity and I be aware of it. But it also, it, at the point at which it shuts me down and and makes me um, less likely to offer something to value to somebody else because I'm afraid that they might react poorly. That's not a good thing either. I know. There's some balance right. that we need to achieve. Right, because yeah. we talk all the time in our work at Path Forward and even in this podcast to a large degree is the quality of conversations we have is everything. And if we're not having good conversations, we're not running a good business, we're not running a good society, we're not running a good good families and everything else. And when we start being too guarded with one another, um, then, then we – we miss an opportunity to get real with each other and really talk about the things we need to talk about. And so um, I'm kind of a believer in radical honesty, and I always have been, and it's always served me well. It seems to be serving me less well now as I've gotten older. That's an interesting perspective because I hear that term a lot, Mm -hmm. the radical honesty, Mm -hmm. and that that feedback is a gift, right? Mm -hmm. So that that if you're not offering feedback, you're not really being radically honest, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So, yeah, so I think I struggle with that sometimes too. It's like I want to be that radically honest person, but I want to separate, you know, fact from opinion, if that makes sense. It's like— the way I feel about it or what I think professionally about it, you know, and, and make sure that I'm saying the right thing at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I 
I don't want to make this sound like a big deal because I'm lucky I'm in a line of work where people tend to like gray hair and, and experience. So I, I do get some positives too, like, okay, you know, you look like a guy that's been around the block and, and so uh, that's a good thing. But I, I, it's, I, I'm struggling with the age thing more than I thought I would. I, I, didn't, I didn't anticipate this being um, the issue that I, I think it kind of has been for me. Something that you said about um, you, you probably say less. Mm-hmm. I feel that I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not, it wasn't a, a conscious process until you just called it out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I just think that I, I, you know, I'm, I'm worried about all the sensitivities. I'm trying to say the right thing. I want it to be meaningful. I want it to land well, all those things. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a good thing, right? It's necessary. It's um, it's intelligent to to approach things that way. But it also it causes that internal pause that you know slows things down, and maybe you miss opportunities by doing that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and it, and also I think where I find it difficult is when I call people back to a like a more traditional value. You mentioned earlier, you know, if you're going to take a job. Try to stick around for a while, you know, just to pay off your employer's investment in you and to and to learn whatever you can in that new job. That's kind of an that's old school wisdom now, isn't it? You know, I, I people think don't so. really buy into that idea. You know, the one of the really dramatic things that's changed over the twenty some years now that I've been doing this work is any sense of of kind of apprenticeship has been lost. The idea that you go in and you work at a job and you learn and you learn and you learn and then you're ready for the next step. And people, partly because of demographics, I mean, I know my children are in their early 40s. There are fewer people who are age 42 than there are people my age, which is 66. So they've, partly because of that demographic, they've been able to advance in the workforce more quickly than I did, right? And so they they don't have the same sense of well, you go in, you put in your time, you, maybe you put up with some stuff that you'd rather not put up with, maybe you you get bounced around uh, a little bit, but that's part of a, a meaningful career. And now everybody wants the kind that's of right. the perfect job, and they're out there marketing themselves to find the perfect employer. And and um, I, I I don't know, I, I feel like. Wanting, I just constantly wanting to tell people there is no perfection. You just do the best you can, and and you need to find more and more joy and value and purpose in what you are doing instead of always thinking about something else. But see, that's an example of something. I feel like when I say that, I'm just labeling myself as an old person. And I totally understand you. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I could have a great conversation, right? right? But how do I how do I tell somebody that's 35 yeah. that's really ambitious? that, you know, you're probably just not ready to take on an executive role yet. So I think we're in kind of a an in-between period here societally. I get my sociology hat on for a second. You know, we're all living longer, right? So I'm 66, as I mentioned. I have every reasonable expectation now of living another 25 years, right? I mean, it's not, it, it's not unusual now to see 90-year-old people still active doing things. Warren Buffett is 92 years old. But I don't know that we figured out how to incorporate all that talent and all that wisdom and all that energy that still exists with people in their 60s, 70s, and even 80s 
and how to make how to create value out of it. Yeah, it, 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 everything seems pointed sometimes to me. And again, maybe this is my fear of aging showing up, but it everything seems pointed towards the younger, um, you know, the younger entrepreneurs and the younger uh, kind of energetic thinkers, right? And uh, it's, wait, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> we're we're not done yet. <laughs> I know. I think you know the energy is. Um, you know, is outweighed by the the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And in those younger generations, and it's it's kind of the the reverse. You know, as you age, you maybe have less energy, but all of this experience that should count for something. There should be a happy medium in there somewhere, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, how do we combine the youthful energy with the with the uh, experience, the experience and yeah. wisdom of the older people? I don't think we figured that one out yet. Path Forward is proud to offer the Path Forward Leadership Workshop, a 15-month program for leaders at any level of your organization. The workshop's a deep experiential dive into what it means to think and act as a leader. It's facilitated in small cohorts and focuses on creating changes in approach and behavior that not only develop the capabilities of individual leaders, but also accrues immediate benefit to the company's cultural well-being and financial performance. The workshop follows our acclaimed leadership platform model as outlined in our book, Land on Your Feet, Not on Your Face. This is an approach to leadership that requires accountability and focus. If you have an appetite for a powerful and transformative development experience, you can find more information about our workshop and arrange for an initial conversation with me through our website, pathforwardleadership.com. What if anything, might you be able to do to make this job feel new? Is there a new initiative that you could champion? Is there a different uh, relationship with senior leadership so you can expand your, your level of influence? What, what can you do to maybe create a new vision around the job that you do have? I think that those options are there. I think I have to, I have to figure out what—, what you know, where I would want to go or what I'd want to learn within the company. So they offer what they call secundaments. And that was all new to me, too, because that wasn't anything we did in in a clinical setting. But, um, you know, as a newer uh, leader, I've been trying to, you know, I've taken leadership courses that were offered through the company. I have delved into uh, diversity and inclusion and equity and all Mm -hmm. those issues. And I'm in a class right now about that. So for me, I look for those opportunities to make me a stronger leader Mm -hmm. and someone who's a little more aware and open to what's happening in the company. I think that, um, I think we lose sight of that easily, you know, if if it's not something that you're dealing with every day. And so I I just want to keep my awareness level up, if that makes sense. Well, it does. It makes a lot of sense because I think if you, if we're in the mindset that um, I might only have five or ten more years to do this. Um, uh, there could easily be a tendency to to slide or yeah. disengage a little bit and just put in the time and collect the paycheck. Doesn't sound like you're doing that. I don't. I, I don't know how to disengage. So so right. that's probably it's part, part of, of it. Yeah. 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 But I do think that um, it's like you know being the best that you can be in the in the role that you're in it for however long you're in it. Yep. And then I I will look for other opportunities if something changes. Right. Yep. So. I, f- I do feel like they're going to have other nurse educator teams coming back into the company, and and that is an easy place for me to go. Do you have an idea of what your 
what your absolute dream job would be within the company that you currently work for? Wow. Having an administrative assistant to do all the, mm. <laughs> you know, all the, um, hmm. I think that I, I really. Okay, so t- let's, let's tease that out yeah, a little okay. bit. So um, there's some burdensome for you with, with uh, paperwork and yeah. other things that you'd like to offload. And if you had that, so if you had that time available and you had that uh, assistance, what would you be able to do with that? What, how would that change your job and make you more effective at what you do? I think it w- I would put myself out in the field a little more with, with the people on my team so that I could be present with them doing the job versus, mm-hmm. you know, managing from remotely. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it would be more rewarding. So but one of the things that can be very effective is to go to our, uh, our senior leaders and say, I have a new vision for this job and it it doesn't involve me sitting at my desk and doing things that are frankly below my pay grade. And and if you want to get the most value out of me, here's a here's an idea for how we might do that. I wonder if that becomes the source of a a proposal or a, a an initiative you could take to kind of design a new job for yourself. And this goes for people at, at all phases of their career. I mean, the, the, we often say, "Gee, I wish my job was different." But we don't advocate for it as much as we should. We don't go to senior leadership and say, I want to write a new job description for myself. And the reason I want to do that is because I can be so much more effective. I can add so much more value to the business if if we structured it this way. I think that's a great idea. I love that idea. Yeah. So go make a proposal. <laughs> okay. and Change your job title or, or whatever. And they may say no. But you'll get them thinking. They may say no five times. Maybe they'll say yes the sixth time. But it, it's it's a way for you to um, expand your your influence. I I think when we get to a certain point in our career, we just have to make sure that we're not just putting in the time. I mentioned it earlier, and I I you know I I, I don't see that there's much of a concern about that for you, but. I guess the question is, how can we make this fresh and exciting? And and maybe that requires you to look elsewhere, but maybe it requires you to take a a new perspective on what you are doing. Yeah, you know? innovation is a is something that is valued at uh, work. So it's um yeah. So definitely, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on that. So I think that 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 is a great suggestion because I've never really thought about. Redoing the job description or, you know, inventing a new one or changing the role in a way that that has more influence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and But that makes perfect sense. Well, I think that you're thinking really in an interesting way about your future. I think that the company that you work for is clearly very lucky to have you. Thank you. And, uh, and make sure that they are working to to create outcomes for you that are meaningful and and maybe you need to demand more of that from them and uh, ask for more of, of what you want. Because it would be great if you got to the point where you, you meet five or ten years out and you're like, no, I, I would love what I'm doing. I don't, I don't want to stop. And this just keeps getting more and more interesting and more engaging for me the longer I do it. And I think that would be a good outcome. And then you have a choice. You know, right. If you want to check out and collect your Social Security and go on your way, that's fine. But you shouldn't retire because you feel like you have nothing left to offer. Um, 
thank you so much for thank, being our guest. Thank you're, you. You're, it was a pleasure. You're, you're, a, you're a charming and interesting person, and I've enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. I could talk all day. I know. Yeah. In reflecting on the conversation I've just had with Jody, the word that comes to mind maybe more than any other is, is relevance. My biggest fear is not death or sickness. It's irrelevance. It's not having a purpose and a meaning to drive me to do what I do. I think that as we get to a certain stage in our career and uh, we decide whether we want to continue to invest in that career, whether we have the energy for that career, one of the things that will drive that in a positive way is if we feel relevant, if we feel like we're valued, if we feel like uh, we're still intellectually engaged, like we have something important to offer and and that we're continuing to change and grow and adapt as we get older and we're not getting stale and stodgy and, and stuck in our ways. Now, this relevance comes from two directions. It comes from the, the, the older person that wants to continue to be relevant and one of the ways we do that is to do what Jody has continued to do, which is to continue to challenge yourself through, through training, new learning, new experiences. And I think it's incumbent upon those of us of a certain age to, to maintain our relevance, to continue to be intellectually engaged in the work we do, and to challenge ourselves in terms of our thinking. If you're a, a younger person and you're working with an older person or older people, you don't do yourself any favors by marginalizing them because of their age. You have a lot to learn from these people, and they have a lot to offer your business. If your business is not actively developing the careers and the, the ongoing education and the engagement of their older employees, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're, you're making your organization um, less successful. And so help the older people in the organization to become relevant and engaged, but it's not an act of charity. It's a, it's a good business decision to, to make to, to tap into all the wisdom that's available to you that may not look like that fresh, exciting uh, young personality, but may be more of a quiet resource uh, in, in your organization. Tap into it. Well, thank you for listening to Path Forward, Real Conversations About Leadership. If you enjoyed this episode, really appreciate it if you let us know. You can rate and review the show on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to all my guests for the level of vulnerability they took in sharing their stories. If you'd like to be a guest on Path Forward, please reach out via the contact form on my website, pathforwardleadership.com. That's also where you can learn more about our show and my leadership services. This episode is produced by Large Media. You can find them at larjmedia.com. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Jim Hessler, and this is Path Forward. <laughs>